You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It's Thursday, October 12th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you are riding home with me, but I don't want to go because... One of my many children is throwing up, so now I gotta go take care of. Not take care of a sick kid, because it's one of the great joys of a parent to take care of a sick kid. And you wouldn't think that, like, you don't want your kid to be sick, but the love you get to demonstrate and shower upon your sick kid, it's a blessing to you and it's a blessing to them. Now, I'm not getting into a theodicy of why there's evil and bad things in this world, I'm just saying that. But when they puke, the blessing's over. I, no, I don't want to deal with that. But I have to. So I'm going to have to go finish my work day from home while my kids go to soccer practice. Speaking of soccer, I'm back. After the soccer tournament and the vacation I took, I've been in St. Augustine since, uh, what day is it? When did I go down there? Since Sunday, I got to visit a new church I'd never been to before. I was planning to go to the First Baptist Church of St. Simon's because they had an early service and I could go before the godless pagans at the soccer league uh, scheduled our Sunday games. I was like, all right, we're going to go before. And then I got to closely scrutinizing their website. Listen, guys, you got to be careful. You got to pay attention to every little detail. And there was a heading that said pastors or pastors. And I scrolled down. And there was two women pictured. And I thought, huh. And their title was like director or something. Right? Like it, They didn't even have pa- pastor in their title. And in fact, that church is currently looking for a pastor. I think they have some guy as an associate in the interim. But I thought, why would women be pictured under a heading that says pastors? I think this is just probably an oversight because I called down there. I won't call them again, come to think of it. I called down to the Baptist Association down there, and I said, hey, which of your churches have an early service? And they said, this one is the only one with a service that's early, before 10 10 or 10.30. So I I, I figured, I called the Southern Baptist Baptist Association. They're not going to recommend a CBF church. But this weekend, while I was down in Brunswick trying to schedule where we're going to go because I'm thinking, all right, I've got the Sunday game times. How am I going to plan the logistics of this to get from Brunswick to St. Simons, back to Brunswick, and then get one kid to Jekyll? I went to their website again. And I scrolled down even further. And then it said, Cooperative Baptist Magazine. And I said, aha, these are Cooperative Baptists. The very worst kind of Baptists. All right, ugh, ugh, ugh. liberals. So I said we're not going there. So then I had to find a church in the St. Augustine area that one had an evening service and two wasn't awful. And I managed to find one, and we had a very nice time visiting that church. Met some very friendly people, and uh, met a lady who. I didn't know from Adam, but she reads Pulpit and Pen and Protestia and Dissenter. And by the way, that's what today's question in the inbox is. Today's question in the inbox is about 
resources or recommendations for Christian news and polemics. All right. And that's the only question I have in the inbox. So somebody please send a, another one about Christian apologetics or theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com. Even though that question isn't really about theology or apologetics. It's just about one man's opinion, mine, and it's my show, so I'm going to give you my opinion. Today's show title... Oops, I'm going to run out of gas. Oh, there goes the show notes. Today's show title... Is the church in Israel. Because if your social media is anything like mine, and it probably is, then people are talking about, your Christian friends are talking about Israel because they just got attacked. I'm not, this is not a political opinion uh, show about how should the Israelis and the Palestinians get along? Can they get along? Are the Israel uh, Israelis too hard on the Palestinians? You know, what are the blah, 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 blah. If you want to know my personal opinion, if I was the Israeli army, I would absolutely demolish every Palestinian settlement back to, the, I mean, literally, not Stone Age, whatever came before the Stone Age. I would level every single uh, building and eliminate every single Palestinian just like Joshua and Saul and the other uh, leaders of the nation of Israel in the Bible were supposed to do. I would treat them like uh, Amalekites. I would... Amalekites. I'm, I'm going to get rid of your cows and everything. I would completely destroy Palestine and that would be the end of it. Because my whole life, they've been over there fighting, making peace, fighting, making peace. I don't think they can coexist together. And uh, in my lifetime, that's the worst brutality I've ever heard of from terrorists. So that's what I'd do. But you know what? None of that has anything to do with the church in Israel. But uh, they're certainly talking about it now. In case you were wondering who I thought, you know, or what I would do or what I thought was good and bad over there. There you go. That's not about theology and uh, apologetics. But we're going to talk about the church in Israel from a theological perspective. And you long-term listeners know that I am a proponent of what is, I think, wrongly called replacement theology. I'm just going to tell you that. I know a lot of you guys don't believe in it. But when are you going to find a podcast host who agrees with you on everything? I, I think that Chad Owen Brand died. You don't know who that was, but uh, he was one of the contributors to a book, Four Views of Israel, or the Church in Israel, Four Views of Israel, and he outlined something called progressive covenantalism, uh, which of all the four views prevented to me. I'm not a big eschatology guy. That seemed the most reasonable reasonable view of Israel and eschatology to me. Progressive covenantalism. And that's probably the only progressive thing I believe in because I'm a conservative. I don't like progressivism. But we're going to talk about that. And as always, we have the Bible chapter review. We're going to finish out the parable of the uh, slaves who got money left to them. Parable of the talents. But first, I'm going to put gas in my car. So just give me a minute here. It'll just be a second for you. All right, I'm back. I'm in my mom's car still because I, I, I borrowed my mom's car. What is this? I borrowed my mom's car to go on my trip because it's nicer than mine. 
this car has that Honda, and I guess other other brands of cars do it too. It has that Honda feature, the lane keep assist, where if you swerve out of lane, it'll put you back in. You set your cruise control, and it notices if you need to slow down. So great long trip car, and we had to take two cars. Uh, but I, you know, I've now I got to put gas back in it. I need to go wash it too before I give it back. But you know, just for nostalgia's sake, I'd, I'd really like to drive drive it down to almost empty and park it in the garage, and you know, make my dad feel young again. Like, oh, here I have a son who's taking my stuff and and using all the gas and not giving it back. My parents, I guess it gets say when you, gets this way when you get old. Oh, we got a quarter tank. We got to stop for gas. And what are you talking about? The car says it'll go for 150 more miles. This is not an emergency. But yeah, they, you, some people are. Oh, we got We got to fill it up. I drove here to work today. The thing said you got 100 miles. I drove 60 miles, and then filled it up. I don't know. We, we, this is not. This is not the Carter administration. We're not out of gas. But let's get to Matthew 25 verses 29 through 30. By the way, the show notes fell down. For to everyone who has, more still shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. At that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Alright, this is sort of the point of the parable. Okay, So for a way of review, because I think we've been on this very short parable for four shows now. A master went away. He left his slaves to manage his resources. He left one guy ten talents, one guy five talents, and one guy one talent. And he judged the abilities of each slave. The one he thought was most able, he left five. The other one, or ten, and then five, and then one. All right. The guy with ten doubled it. And the master said, you've been faithful to the little, I'm going to give you a lot more. The guy with five doubled it. You've been faithful a little. I'm going to give you a lot more. The guy with one judged harshly and negatively his master's character, buried the talent, receiving no interest and not putting it at risk, even at the smallest risk, to earn anything back. And I, I don't. I guess did they have inflation back then? I don't even know. Surely they did. Uh, basically gave his master back his one talent, which by, by way of inflation was worth less than it was before. And if you think about that, they had banks back there too because, because the master said you could have put this on deposit with the money lenders and earned interest and you didn't even do that. It was worth less than when he gave it to him. He squandered the resources. And that's why that the master said, take this guy and put him out. He's worthless. Put him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is where we move away from the, I don't want to say realism of the parable, but what is outer darkness? Because it's not, it's not like the hole in prison it's not, I don't, did people whip their slaves back then? I don't know. But it's not like put this guy in punishment to think about what he's done. Whatever they did to incompetent slaves back then. Outer darkness is not a place the master could physically send him if we're talking about some guy who owns an estate in ancient Judea. 
outer darkness is hell. That's the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This guy is being cut off. He's not recognized as part of the household. The guy with the one talent who did not prepare for his master's return is equivalent to the five imprudent virgins who did not show respect to the bridegroom by preparing for his arrival. These are, as we'll see played out in the third and final parable of this verse, the nominal Christians. We call them nominal Christians now. They didn't have the word Christian back then when Jesus was telling this in 30 AD. We had to develop that over time. Where was it? Antioch, where they, they were first called Christians? Does it say that in Acts? Listen, I, I don't have all the verses memorized. Just the, just the concepts, just the themes, okay? I don't know dates. Remember the history class? Like a good history teacher is not asking about, you know, you got to give me this specific date. No, you got to know the history of it. So, no, I, I, yes, there was a time when the early Christians were first called Christians. But this is very, very clearly talking about nominal Christians. What Luther would have said, classified as the visible church, but not a part of the invisible church. These are people who say they're of the body, but they're not, and they prove it by how they treat their responsibilities while they wait for the master to come back. We're waiting for Jesus to return. How are we living until then? By the way, it's not a parable about economics. This is not a parable to refute communism because communism says from each according uh, to his ability to each according to his need. No, no, this is not about we're going to refute that idea and the ones who achieved got more. You know, you got to achieve because we don't have a works-based salvation. This is not about a work ethic because how do we hire and fire people at work? The achievers we promote. The non-achievers we fire. It's not about that. It's about what are you doing to prepare for the return of the Lord? If you respect and revere the Lord, you will be prepared. If you don't, you will be lazy and worthless because you don't really care about pleasing your master. It will show. That's what this is about. doesn't matter if you say you're a Christian. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you say you're a Christian. Back then, the people would have probably said, it doesn't matter if you say uh, you're a Jew or if you say you're a member of the kingdom. It doesn't matter if you say you're one of God's children. We'd say now. It doesn't matter if you say you're a Christian. It matters if God says you are. Now act like it. It will show through how you treat others in the body and that reflects upon your love of God of, of our Heavenly Father and I, I might tie this in to my church versus Israel thing not church versus I mean we're not against them church is Israel alright this question comes from oh, who did it come from Mary I, my sticky note fell and I had to put it away. It fell down in the floorboard and there was 
dirt got in the sticky and now it won't stick back. Mary in North Carolina. She says, you mentioned the other day some good websites to follow. What are your recommendations? I don't remember I don't remember saying that, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> um, and the thing about her email is she said, well, I'll keep up with Pulpit and Pin and Protestia and Justin Peters and Jim Osman, who is Justin Peters' pastor, I believe. Like, She basically named all the ones that I would recommend. Okay. Pulpit and Pin, of course, I own that. I own it. So go read it. I would probably recommend it the least now. And you know why? Because I don't have time to write any articles. I would I write one a week at most. And by the way, I think they're great. <laughs> Could use some editing. Could use some editing. But I think I'm writing good articles. I just don't have time to put out the volume. Especially the newer stuff is a lot of quality. I don't do the clickbaiting there. I don't you'll be shocked at what and what what David Uth did. No, I'm Shocking news from Andy Stanley. Now I don't do that kind of stuff. Which we're like here. This is what I think. Here's why you should agree with me. <laughs> Hopefully, this my opinion is biblical. Here's why. And then at the end, get saved. Get saved. For prolific polemics and Christian news, protestia. Dustin is churning it out every day. And some of it is like, who cares type of stuff. Like, oh, a drag queen spoke at a Methodist church. Of course, of course, of course, she did. He did. Whichever one. Like you, it is it's like ignominious, dying Episcopal church has lady in a rainbow frock. So what? Of course, that's how they act. But they do have substantial work and relevant work there so if you're doing the thing where you can sign up for it to email you good articles automatically I would recommend Protestia Dissenter from Jeff Maples used to write at Pulpit and Pen now he has his own site brand if you will Jeff is always over the target but Jeff he assumes his audience. And we do that to a degree at Pulpit and Pen and Protestia is we assume our audience. Like Jeff will say, this happened and these people are terrible, but he won't tell you why. It's not that he's wrong. He just doesn't tell you why. And in my opinion, Jeff, you have too many pop-ups. Uh, but especially in the realm of conservative evangelicalism, he's keeping up with it. And he's telling you what happened. Let me give you an example. This is a very good example. I was very encouraged by this. When I went and visited that church on Sunday, the one, it wasn't in St. Augustine. It was in some adjoining town. Let me try and remember it. Crescent Beach. That's where I was. At Crescent Beach. My kids thought it was very funny that the retention ponds at the church, <laughs> it said, Danger, there may be alligators in these ponds. We don't have to worry about getting eaten by alligators. Where do we go to church? But apparently there you do. So we went to a church in Crescent Beach, Crescent Beach Baptist. And the, the pastor was wearing an IMB shirt. And he gave a report on IMB stuff at the beginning. I'm like, all right, we're in a very dedicated Southern Baptist church. But 
this guy's obviously more of a company man than I am. <laughs> we, uh, but I'm you know glad to be here, and I could just kind of tell it's a night service with older people. I'm going to sing a couple hymns. I'm going to hear a biblical message, and I did. It was great. And some old, I had my kids with me, and they, oh, we have the Iwanas program for the little kids. I'm like, no, man, I'll, I'll keep them here. Not because I distrusted, you know, strangers. I feel the Awanas program or night church for kids at uh, any given Southern Baptist churches is probably, especially a smaller one, is probably a very safe and good place for kids while they learn. But I wanted us all to sit together and hear the sermon, and most of us did. My sons fell asleep. But I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, there's these sweet old ladies, because what Baptist church isn't full of sweet old ladies? We're talking to my kids, and my daughter, who just repeats everything, like, yeah, we were going to go to church at St. Simon's, but they were liberal, so we came here. <laughs> Which is not something you expect a 10-year-old to say. But I explained to her, I was like, yeah, it was, a, it was a CBF church. And she said, well, you know, First Baptist Orlando is that way. Because they baptized homosexuals, like homosexual married people. She knew all about it. And you know how she knew all about it? The dissenter. So I was like, oh, I'm like, I, I'm in the know. So I'm like, oh, you, you must read the dissenter. And she goes, yeah. I said, well, do you read Protestian, Pulpit and Pen? Yeah, I read those. Because she knew about the stuff that I know about, but the other 99% of Baptists don't. And I said, well, I own Pulpit and Pen. So I love it when I leave my town. Where I'm, you know, in my town, I'm just the accountant next door who yells too much coaching soccer. But otherwise, where people don't know me, oh, you're Seth Dunn from Pulpit and Pen. I like this article. Thank you for telling me about that. So she had been reading Dissenter. And that was very good. And I was very happy about that. So Pulpit and Pen, Protestia, Dissenter. Uh, what else? Michelle Leslie pretty usually has a pretty good take on uh, female... Bible teachers, female, I don't know what you tell them, the, the, the Beth Moores of the world, the Priscilla Shivers of the world. She's in the know about lady stuff. Uh, Chris Roseborough's outfit, Fighting for the Faith, of course, it's more of a podcast. Uh, that's really good. What I think is great about them is the sermon reviews they do. Because when you get the people coming out of the mega church or even Pentecostal or non denom we play reckless love type of churches. Those kind of pastors like they like. You can show them, say, a sermon review of Brian Houston. So somebody says, well, my church plays Hillsong. I don't see where that's a problem. All right, here's Brian Houston. Well, my church plays Elevation. I don't see where that's a problem. Here's Stephen Furtick butchering the Bible. My heart was heavy. When I was perusing social media this weekend, and a friend of mine said showed pictures of her kids and said their 16th birthday they're going to go see Stephen Furtick and Elevation. I'm like, see? Elevation leads people to Stephen Furtick. And I was going to communicate with that about her later. And you know what? I said, why? Just on the comment section, why? And because I'm on vacation, I'm busy. I really wish I would have sent her a personal message. And maybe it would have gotten to the kids because she died yesterday. Not because she, her kids went to see Stephen Furtick. She just died. I mean, and I was just like, man, that's devastating. She was like 40, 45, 46 years old. I feel bad for my friend, her, uh, who's her husband. I definitely want to pray for them. But you never know 
when you're going to get the last chance to speak to somebody about anything. So you take that chance. Take it. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So Michelle Leslie and the human beings involved at Pirate Christian Radio are, of course, Chris Roseborough, Stephen Kozar, and uh, Amy Spreeman. And Amy and, and uh, Steve have day jobs. I think he's a painter, if you want to call that a day job. Uh, like like me. So they don't put as much out as Chris does. Because he's a pastor and preaching is his job. He's a Kongsvinger Lutheran Church in some far-flung freezing cold place. I think it's South Dakota. Ugh, freezing. I think he has two churches. Because those Lutherans will give you two or three churches. Because they have an Episcopal ecclesiology. Justin Peters doesn't so much have a blog as he makes little videos and goes around speaking at conferences. Sort of almost like a missionary who makes videos. He's a good resource. And usually in the know. And I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out. But those are the places I usually go to and Google. I don't, I don't go to Christianity Today. Do you know Christianity Today... 100% of the political donations made by its staff people over the last few years, 100% have been to Democrats. You think they represent evangelical Christianity? I don't think so. Foxes are in the hen house. Foxes are in the hen houses. How about the hen houses? Fox in the hen house. Christianity Today. As Jordan uh, Hall used to call it, Christianity astray. The Christian Post has has news but it's generally kind of atheological like they did this but it doesn't say like it's bad or here's why when I write articles I try not just to be informative but also persuasive and biblically educational and maybe this has to do with being trained to preach is like you want to put somebody on a decision point like I can get on to Facebook and say well Hillsong's awful yeah, but I'm, I want to, this is why, and this is why you shouldn't stand for it. I'm going to put you on a decision point. You may not make the same decision I would, but you got to make a decision. All right. That's my recommendations. This is probably the same recommendations I would have made 10 years ago. Know this! Know this, that when you try and share them, there are people who are already sort of, they're sort of well-poisoned against them. Not poisoned well, like good. Well-poisoned, as in we're poisoning the well. The well has been poisoned where some people just won't read Protestia or won't read Pulpit and Pen. They just won't. And I think that's why Jeff had to start to center, frankly. But fine, do whatever. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. All right. Let's see. What was I going to... Oh, let's talk about the Church of Israel. Church in Israel now. Church of Israel, I wish. The Church in Israel. All right. So, Israel was terrorized while I was on vacation. It's awful. I'm talking about Hamas coming out of the West Bank, which is called Palestine, and beheading babies, shooting people at a music festival, 
Now, what's your old grandma going to say? Your old grandma says, well, if you're not at a rave, nobody's going to shoot you, right? So a lot of people are going to come out and say, well, if they had, they're at a rave, how wicked. Well, listen, remember the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando and somebody just went and shot up? A gay club, and I don't—I don't remember why they did it. I don't remember if they were just a crazy person. I mean, I think you have to be crazy to do that. If they were just unhinged, if they were anti-gay, if they were gay—I don't—I don't—I don't remember the guy's motive. Because really, I don't care. You—it's not right to but you shoot a pe- shoot a bunch of people up. So what we don't say is, well, they were at a rave. What do you expect? Or well, they're at a gay nightclub. They're out there being wicked. Yeah, but it doesn't mean somebody should shoot them. Anyway, Hamas hates Israel. I don't think as much as the Arab world used to hates Israel. So what's going on politically, the political climate? Since the founding of the modern nation of Israel in 1948 after World War II, by the way, the land was in control of the British who had won it uh, after World War I when the Ottoman Empire was on the losing side of the war, or what was left of the Ottoman Empire and they lost that land. The British were in control of it. Then you had the atrocities of World War II against the Jews, who quite frankly had been persecuted as an ethnicity or people for a long time. And people said, finally, the UN and the powers that be, after World War II, said, let's carve out some land for the Jews. Hey, what better place than Israel? Oh, there's already all these Arabs living there who don't like them. Oh, let's put them there anyway. Because the Jews wanted to restore, return to their historic homeland. And so Israel was founded. And when they were founded, they were immediately attacked by the Arab countries around them. They beat them. They were attacked again in the 60s by Egypt. They beat Egypt. But little by little, over time, they've been making peace with their Arab neighbors, making peace with Jordan, making peace with Syria. And now they were about to, you know, make, I don't want to say make peace, but have better relations with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is one of the very important Arab countries. We used to, we usually think about Iraq and Iran because we're always they're attacking each other or we're attacking one of them, and they're in cahoots with Russia, etc., etc. Some people think R- Russia and Iran are Gog and Magog. Saudi Arabia is a wealthy country that's generally not actively blowing people up. Yes, Osama bin Laden is there from there from there. But if Saudi Arabia, with all their oil and wealth, recognizes and gets friendly with Israel, all their Arab haters there in the occupied Gaza territory on the West Bank, or who's going to support, who do they have? See, they're running out of people to hate Israel. And they need people to hate Israel because they want their land back that they had. But it was, it was British-controlled anyway. You want to look at the history of Israel since... It fell to Babylon in the south. The north fell to Assyria. We're talking about Bible times. Then the south fell to Babylon. Then Babylon fell to Persia. Was it the Medes? And uh, then Israel was sent back, but they didn't have self-rule. Then Alexander's people conquered the Persians. And and then Alexander died, so you had the Ptolemies and the Seleucids ruling them until the Hashemonian revolt which was ethnically uh, Israeli or ethnically Jewish then you had <coughs> the Romans take over so you can see since the fall of Babylon 
until modern Western civilization, if that's what we call the Romans, uh, they've ruled them. They've had very little self-rule besides the Hasmonean dynasty and a result, uh, a revolt. After the, there was a revolt in se- a revolt, sorry, a revolt in seventy, and the Romans crushed it. Then there was another revolt later, later, which the Romans just pretty much decimated. Not worse than people say decimated. Oh, they were decimated. No, decimation is losing only 10%. You got 90% left. It was, what's the word for 90%-imated? That's what it was done. I mean, that that was that bad. And then the Roman Empire split into east and west, and the east eventually ended up in the hands of Arabs. Then the Catholic Church had their crusader states during the Crusades, and it ended up in the hands of Arabs again, which is how it got in the hands of Ottoman Turks until World War One, when they lost, and then Britain owned it. And then it was sort of Britain's to give, or United Kingdom's to give, to declare the state of Israel. It's called the Palestinian Mandate in 1948. And the non-Jews, Palestinian people who were Muslims, uh, didn't like it then, they don't like it now. And when I was in sixth grade, or was it seventh grade, I remember Yasser Arafat, making some kind of peace accord at Camp David with Bill Clinton's help. And uh, Yasser Arafat was the guy from the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which did terror in Israel. And uh, who was, was it? It wasn't not Netanyahu. It was Yitzhak Rabin. Does anybody, anybody think that Netanyahu's been the prime minister for as long? Like He's sort of like Vladimir Putin. is like, do you have anybody else? Because we get new presidents all the time every eight years in the United States. But like, I feel like my entire adult life. It's been uh, Netanyahu. Not saying he's doing a bad job. I'm just saying, like, do you have anybody else to elect? So that's been the history of the Israeli state. And you have this sort of unincorporated Palestinian territory, which is right next to Israel, but it's not Israel. But they're, they're not a country like Syria or Jordan or Saudi Arabia. Anyway... Hamas took it over, which is a terrorist, Muslim terrorist organization that has support from places like Iran, and then they attacked Israel. Okay, so that that's where we've been. So now that that's why they were attacked. This is this is hundreds of years of animosity. These attacks happen all the time, but this one was particularly brutal. So now Israel says we're at war, and they're attacking the people very aggressively. I think, in my opinion, show's not about politics. I'm, I'm definitely, I, I coach too much soccer and have too many kids to pay attention to Middle Eastern affairs. But I think the idea is Israel couldn't wipe the people out before because they it would upset too many Arabs in Russia. And now Russia is engaged in Ukraine and they're sort of losing or at a stalemate there. Iran is, is weak and the Saudis are starting to like them. So it seems like they can attack these people now with with impunity and not worried about getting being attacked by Israel and Jordan and Syria. That's what I think. And you're going to see a lot of if you go out on social media, you got to support Israel, pray for the peace of Israel, God's not forgotten about Israel, this type of stuff. And to that I say, in as much as it's a Western democracy that shares my Western values against the totalitarian savage uh, governments around them, they're chopping people up. Yeah. Yeah, I support them. In the same way, I would support Spain if it was attacked by Moors. I don't even, Spain has a king, I think. I don't, I wouldn't call them a Western style democracy, but they're the West. Like, if, if England or Germany was attacked by, I don't know, Iraq, yes, I would, because I would support them. 
You know, because they're they're the they're the West, they're NATO. And I think it's Turkey's in NATO. They're, I think they're the only one of the, one or the only Muslim country in NATO. And it's one of those things like you can say Muslim country. You would never say Christian country. It's like the Vatican or something. When you're a Muslim country, like that becomes the official religion of the country, and they don't tolerate anything else. Like in Israel, you can be a Muslim, a Jew, or a Christian, or whatever. They have freedom of religion like we do. We have freedom of the wrong religions. There's only one right one, but you get what I'm saying. And you have all the... Oh, is the lanes closed? I see a lot of cop cars. Let me get by this. We're slowing down. Cop cars, but I don't see anybody pulled over. Maybe there's somebody in the woods and they got to hunt them down. Oh my gosh. Yes, I just saw a sheriff's deputy get out of her police car. And they're not the cars there though. There's a state trooper. So I I see, oh they're all out here. I I see SUVs from the county and there's a state trooper. I just saw one, one officer get out and put on a bulletproof vest. So, oh there's another one. There's something going on up here. I wonder if it's an active gunman. Would that beep through on my phone? I don't know. I just want to. I just want to get home for soccer practice and finish the Christian commute. If there's a criminal, I hope they get them. Him could be a her. I'm going to say him. So what was my point before I got distracted by five police cars with sirens? I don't know. Talking about Israel. Oh yeah, all the people say Israel this, Israel that. Do you understand that we don't have a biblical mandate to support the modern state currently governed by Benjamin Netanyahu? I mean, I yeah, you can say I support him, you support fine. I think that's the right political move, but I'm going to get to it. The church is Israel because Paul talks about being grafted in, right? Christians, Gentiles, I should say, have been grafted in because God's always had, listen, one people, okay? Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Here's another officer in a bulletproof vest and another one. They're everywhere. I'm going miles here. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, but if you're a Christian, he's your Messiah. So, if the majority of the population of people in the modern state of of Israel, which, by the way, there was some debate over naming it Israel. There was a six to three vote. One third didn't want to name it that. Uh, In the modern nation state of Israel, governed by Benjamin Netanyahu and their unilateral, unilateral, unicameral Congress, it's not majority Christian. Okay? It's a secular democracy. A secular democracy. When you look at the government of Israel in the Old Testament, it is not a secular democracy. It's not a democracy of all at all. It's a theocracy. And there are offices that it has. Prophet, priest, and king. So if you want to tell me that the modern state of Israel is the Israel that we are supposed to support per the Bible, pray for the peace of Israel, those who you who curse Israel, I will curse, those who bless it, I will bless. If you want to make that argument to me, you need to tell me, number one, who's their prophet, number two, who's their priest, number three, who's their king. Because when you think about who ruled Israel, it was Moses and then some judges. 
And the final judge was Samuel, who was rejected by the people. And remember, God told Samuel, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. So God gave them a king. And we get to Solomon, not Solomon, Saul, who was terrible. So God replaced him with David. And God promised David that one of his descendants would always be on the throne of Israel. So find me the king who's a descendant of David who's ruling Israel right now. You won't because it's a democracy being run by Benjamin Netanyahu. Who is the son of David on the throne of Israel? It's Jesus. But Jesus is not the political ruler of Israel now. Do they have the temple set up and Levites and priests going in and out? Number one, if they did, they'd be wrong. But who is filling the priestly office in Israel? Number one, there's a mosque on the temple mount where the temple goes. I certainly don't think they have a tent tabernacle set up like they had before uh, Solomon built the temple. But integral to the operation of Israel as a state, a theocratic state, by the way, was the priesthood. But you know why there's no high priest of Israel? Number one, they're a secular democracy. But number two, God is the high priest. Or not, not, I should say Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is the high priest. He's prophet, priest, and king. And the sacrificial system is dead because it's been fulfilled in Christ. And we all Christians, we're a nation, ethnos, we're a nation of of kings and priests. <clears throat> so everything you see about Old Covenant Israel ha- is basically fulfilled in Christ. And the Gentiles have been grafted in. That's why I so reject the idea of replacement theology. God didn't replace the Jews with the Gentiles. He grafted Gentiles in with the believing Jews. Because it says it in the Bible. You can have a synagogue of Satan. But a Jew, a true Jew, is not somebody who's just circumcised on the outside, which, by the way, we don't have to do anymore. I'm circumcised. I'm sure you are if you're a man, but we don't have to do that anymore as a covenant sign. It's not who's circumcised on the inside. It's somebody who's circumcised on the inside. Paul said that. you got to have a circumcised heart. That's a, pure, that's a true Jew. And by the way, how do they decide now who's a Jew? Is, is it your mom's a Jew? Is it your dad's a Jew? Is your grandparent a Jew? What makes somebody officially genetically a Jew? And here's another thing. If you're a Jew and you're a citizen of the United States, not a citizen of Israel, are you a Jewish Israel person? Or are you a Jew in, in the United Like, Where's your citizenship? Now, I know that... that Israel has something called like right of return and any Jew in the world has a right to come live there. So they'll make you a citizen if you ask to be if you're a Jew. <laughs> but what makes someone a Jew? Okay? And by the by the way, the answer is that is to be descended of Abraham. Okay? Descended of Abraham, you're a Jew. And we see Gentile people in the genealogy of Jesus. We see Ruth we see Rahab, but they had husbands who were Jews. Okay. 
Maybe there's some rabbi out there that they got a book on this. Like, okay, in the South, remember in the South, like you were black if you were one eighth black. They had miscegenation laws. Like, so you, if a white person used to couldn't marry a black person. All right, well, what is a white person and what is a black person? If you're one eighth Negro, you're mis- miscegenated enough to be considered a black. I, how did that? That was a law of the United States in segregation and slavery days. I don't know what the Jewish thing is, but guys, that ain't DNA. Because who is heir to the promise made to Abraham? Me, Gentile Seth. And you, if you're a Gentile Christian. We're heirs according to promise. So the uh, there cannot be a separate Jewish state of Israel, like religiously, uh, the theocratic state and the theocratic people, and then a separate church. It's all one, and, and everything's fulfilled in Christ, and they're all under Jesus. And by the way, nobody thought the way you're seeing on, on social media until the, the Schofield Reference Bible. <laughs> so the Schofield Reference Bible gets popular in around the time as World War I, at least in the United States it does. And then you have the atrocities of World War II, and all of a sudden people are saying, well, put the Jews there in Israel, give it back to them so they'll have a home. And then the Schofield people are like, see, it's, it's the prophecy we talked about. Let me tell you something. When the Crusaders were making their Crusader kingdoms, nobody was thinking, like, this land belongs to the Jews. Who do they think it belonged to? The Christians. What was that movie where Edward Norton wears a mask? A Kingdom of Heaven, starring Edward Norton and Orlando Bloom about their Crusader kingdoms. It's a Ridley Scott film. Okay? Who else? Jeremy Irons is in it. And, uh... So I'm not saying that Roman Catholics were right or Crusaders were right. I had somebody ask me in like an apologetics sort of classroom session once. I was doing for Ratio Christian, and they said, "Well, um, what do you say to people when they tell you about the Crusades and the and the, the atrocities of Christians?" And I say, "I'm not a Roman Catholic. <laughs> I, no, I didn't. You know, my church didn't order that. The Pope did. And I don't. I don't recognize the Pope or any of the." Templar orders or whatever kind of orders they had back then. I don't recognize the authority of the Pope to give, uh, what do you call it, the uh, indulgences to crusaders and all that. all. Uh, Christian church didn't do that. The Roman Catholic church did. I'm just saying the prevailing thought that that land still somehow belongs to Israel that or such thing, that being the prevailing thought, it's very local to where we are here in Schofield, pre-mill dispensational land, and it just wasn't prominently out there in the face of the, I should say, the to the visible church. What what crusader was like? I'm going to go create a crusaderling and bring all the Jews here. No, it's Edward Norton. Edward Norton's not a Jew in the uh, Jerusalem Crusader Kingdom. They were all, they were Catholic. They weren't giving back to Jews. If, if I'm grafted in as a Gentile, isn't there one church? And think about this. If you're ethnically a Jew, the earliest Christians were ethnically Jews. That's by the, by the way. That's why we have the whole book of Galatians. Because people were saying, the Judaizers were saying, well, you got to 
take all these Jewish laws. And Paul said, no, you don't have to do that in the church. Salvation is not works-based. It's faith-based. <laughs> and these Gentiles are heirs according to the promise, just like Abraham is in his writings. It's very basic stuff. Let me tell you something. What happens to an unbelieving Gentile if they die today? They go to Hades and await judgment. They're going to go to hell. They're going to burn in hell forever. What happens to an unbelieving Jew today? Burns in hell the same as the Gentile. By the way, who's Jesus talking to in Matthew? Jews. In this parable, they're Jews. You think you're a sheep, but you're a goat. The people that he's contesting with, who are trying to crucify him, they're Jews. Being ethnically Jewish, didn't make you, it doesn't make you saved now, and it didn't make you saved then. And I'm not trying to create some straw man. I'm just saying your ethnicity con- contributes nothing before God. Peter said, I see now that there is no favoritism with God. And people say, well, what about the land promise? God's promise is irrevocable, and he promised them that land. What's going to happen when Jesus comes back to the entire earth? It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be rolled up like a scroll and remade. It's going to be made into a new Eden. The tree of life will be there. Just like it was in Eden. Some people argue, like, is God sort of going to terraform the earth and remake it? Or is he going to destroy it and create it anew? There's People argue about that. Uh, one of my friends at church, Dr. James, has written a book about it. But at the end of the day, where are, where are we going to live in the eschaton forever with Jesus? What? 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 The new Jerusalem. So if you want to talk to me about the perpetuity of the land promise, fine. But the land's going to be destroyed and only people in Jesus are going to live in the new Jerusalem. Because the church is Israel. There's a logical conclusion. You don't have to be big into covenant theology to get there. So for you to argue that Israel, politically, that strip of land belongs to Jews and not just to anybody who conquers it because why is this, this, this land is your land, this land is my land from the Redwood Forest, the New York Island. Why? Because the Spanish beat the Indians and then the French... The French came and beat the Indians. Then the England, English came and beat the French and Indians. And Spain helped them. Uh, let me just, here, just give me some history from the United States. Why, why is St. Augustine your land and my land? Because that's where I just was. We went to a fort there. It's been 500 years. The Spanish built it. They sailed over and conquered the land from the Indians. All right? And then they were on the... Winning side, were they the winning side of the French and Indian War with the British, I think. So, and the fort, you know, there was deals made, and I think the English ended up with the fort. And then it went back to the French, and then the Americans rebelled, and the Seminoles fought with the, with uh, the the English, I think, to, or no, with, with Spain to withhold it. Like, if you go to Amelia Island, there's been like five flags of people who have run there. I'm thinking about all the history. And then the fort went to the United States after the Revolutionary War. 
and and because Florida had, I think the U.S. bought Florida from the Spanish. How, why was it theirs to sell? Because they conquered it. And then the Confederates held the fort because they seceded. And then the the Union owned it again. Why? Because they beat the Confederates. You, the land you have is because your country beat some other country for it. Okay? Why did the Assyrians have Israel? Because they beat them for it. Babylonians beat them for it. And the Persians beat them. We went through this. They beat them for it. Why does Israel have it right now? Because the people who beat the Turks for the land gave it to Israel. And when somebody tried to fight Israel to take it, Israel beat them for it. Okay? So somebody has beat somebody for that land, and they have that legitimate country. What makes it? What makes you Jewish? Because Jesus Christ is a... You don't believe in Jesus. How about this? You're a Jew, and you don't believe in, in your prophet, priest, and king. You don't believe in your Messiah. The Jewish religion in the Old, uh, Old Testament, Old Covenant, has been fulfilled in Christ. So whether you're a religious Jew or not, your, your, your practices are meaningless. Like, he, it would say that in Hebrews. Done. You don't need to do this anymore. It was a shadow of the perfect and the perfect has come. Alright? It was a type and a shadow, we call it. So I get back to what makes you a Jew. You got no prophet, no priest, no king. You have no sacrificial system. You're not living by the, the Levitical laws Anyway, who did God send? He sent his son. He sent Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you're not Israel. If you reject Jesus, you're not Israel. If you reject Jesus, you're not Israel. It was the king there in the south of Israel in Judah who was beaten. The Jewish king, rightful Jewish king, who was beaten by the Babylonians. Why? Because Israel was wicked. What did, the, what, did the, what did God say? If you go into the land the Lord God is sending you and you respect your parents, your days will be long in the land you're guarding. They, they didn't. And their, land, their time was not long. It was short. And they only got sent back. We're talking about the Nehemiah days because the pagan king sent them back. Because the pagan king is just in... Listen, the pagans who attacked Israel were in contro controlled by God. Were controlled by God. And the pagans who sent him back were controlled by God. And Jesus came and saved even the Gentiles. And said, Go ye therefore into all the earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. God's kingdom is in the ends of the earth. Jesus is king right now. Ruling over right now. Everything belongs to him. There's no need. Do you understand there's no need for Israel as a land? There's no need for the Jews to be there because there's no need for the temple. There's no need for them to bring forth. The Messiah is supposed to come from them. Well, he already came. What need does he have of them to be a separate people? The need is for his people to fulfill the Great Commission. And that's all Christians regarding, regardless of ethnicity. But what about that land promise? Oh, we will have the land. The new Jerusalem is ours. And we will be there with the prophet, with the priest, with the king, Jesus Christ. So that's my take on current events in the church in Israel. Look up the history yourself in a history book, because this is a podcast from a car.
Do the same thing for the so-called replacement theology. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute, Lord willing. I'll be back with you again tomorrow. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.